0: Welcome to Untangle, the meditation podcast from Gaia. I'm your host, Patricia Carpus. In this series, we introduce you to real people with extraordinary stories and experts who have devoted their lives to teaching and helping others through meditation. In today's episode, I interview Shanti Medina. Shanti shares her personal story of what it was like to grow up with her verbally abusive mother. As a little five-year-old, Shanti had the inner wisdom to teach herself her own private meditation, which helped her to survive her negative home. This was the path that inspired her to create the Body Current Method that combines yoga therapy, neuromuscular exercises, and mindfulness to work with the body and mind to resolve trauma and pain. Before we begin, we'd love to hear from you. If you have feedback on our podcast, let us know at untangleatgayam.com. Now, here's Shanti's story. Shanti, thank you so much for being with us here today. I'm so excited to hear your story. Thank you, Patricia. Your story is such an interesting one to me because we know that meditation teaches us to soothe ourselves. We learn to pause. We learn through teachers and practices. But you taught yourself as a child, which is really unbelievable. And I would love if you could tell us a little bit about what led you to teach yourself meditation. And I know you didn't call it meditation then, but tell us a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Thanks. So my home was a challenging home to grow up in. And so these Practices that I learned um, were really practices for me to um, protect myself, for me to find a place of calm and centering within myself, um, no matter what my external environment uh, was sharing with me. So my biological father left when I was very young, just a couple months old. And so my mother looked at me as uh, the blame for that. So there was a lot of times in my early childhood where there would be words and actions that I could either choose to engage in and take on, or I found this very simple way to come to a place within myself, to still myself, to self-regulate my nervous system so I wouldn't, first of all, believe the words that were being said to me, and also I wouldn't take it on in my life.
0: So you have said that your mother was unkind and that there were words that were – that stung you mm-hmm. as a child. How old were you when you first realized that you could maybe practice something or teach yourself or develop a tool, if you will, that would help you not take on her unkind words?
1: Right. So – I can remember maybe I was about five years old, one of the times where my mom and my grandma were saying really hateful things to me, and I was in a corner just kind of covering myself and listening to it, and all of a sudden, it was really just grace under fire. I realized there's a place in me that her words can't touch. Their words can't impact this place in me. It was like just grace coming through. And I just started calming my breath, slowing my breath. I realized that if I started crying, it, uh, it made it worse. The trauma would be worse. The words would be worse. It was almost like the tears uh, really inspired them to be even crueler. So I learned at a very young age not to show tears. And so I started first noticing my breath. If I was going to start crying, I noticed my breath started to get really shallow. And I would start turning into tears. So in that moment of realizing, wait, there's something here they can't touch. I don't need to believe these words. I can come into my center myself, self-soothing. So that's where they started. And I started just slowing my breathing down so I wouldn't cry.
0: You were five. I must have been around five. I was very young. Did you have... Teachers or mentors or anyone that guided you at that young age? Nothing.
1: This was pure me trying to center and protect myself. And it was
0: breath work that you were doing. It was initially
1: breath work, slowing my breathing down. I would just start noticing my breath and start having it be slow and smooth. And then I wouldn't start crying and I could actually stay in the center and I would focus my awareness so much on the sound of my breath or the sensations of my breath. And then I can remember adding, I don't know at what age I did this, but and I think it might have come from uh, bounces off me and sticks to you. So Mm -hmm. I started repeating a couple of words in my head at a young age, kind of giving my brain a tool to focus on. And so I started with, that's yours, not mine. It just came to me. So I would focus on my breathing and I would repeat in my head, "That's that's yours, not mine. That's yours, not mine. That's yours, not mine. And just reflecting that I'm not taking this in. You're saying that you wished I was never born. I'll never amount to anything. That's your truth, not mine.
0: You had so much wisdom as a child, and and we can only wonder where that comes from. Um, But when did you put words to what you had done as a child? So you come up with these tools where first it's breath, and then it's this mantra, that's Mm -hmm. yours, not mine. And maybe that comes from the playground. Who knows where Who that knows comes from? Right. It's just, it's incredible that you, you found that comfort mm-hmm. and that way to self, self-soothe yourself. Right. When did you start knowing that you had done, you had created a practice for yourself? That's a great
1: question. I can remember at a very young age thinking, everyone does this. You know, I th- because I was doing it, I just assumed everyone did that. So in school, I would start realizing, wow, if I breathe before a test and actually just focus on smoothing my breath out and slowing it down, I was noticing my performance was better on my test. I was feeling centered and relaxed while I was taking that test. So I think that was maybe the first time that I realized, wow, I actually have a tool that I'm not using uh, only in times of trauma. I realized, wow, this is something that I can choose to use to increase my performance in school, and to help me stay in my center.
0: Have you heard of other stories where people discover meditation, if you will, without having learned it from a teacher where they're either in deep pain and they have to regulate their bodies and they've just kind of done a DIY version of meditation until they come to a real teacher.
1: Right, exactly. So I have, I have talked to friends about this, and there are people who've had a traumatic incident, a physical or emotional incident, and we, they find, we find our own little ways to make this uh, calm, this center. And so what I found is that everyone's path might be a bit different. However, the place we're getting to is where we have the common bond. Getting to that place where we can be in the present moment.
0: So, but you, and you talk about trauma, mm-hmm. and I think we can. There are so many different levels of trauma, exactly. And meditation helps in myriad of different ways. Can you talk about how meditation helps with trauma from the vantage point of your personal and your professional experience?
1: So. After completing my undergrad, I started working at a drug abuse council, and I started working with 50 female heroin addicts. And I can say that's the first time I really applied these tools to support other people in resolving trauma. And their trauma was vastly different than mine. There was some addiction going on, but some of them were abused. Some of the women had uh, really been abused young as a child and grown up, addicts by self-medicating. So I started to include the simple breathing practice that I did as a child in all of my one-on-one counseling and then in our group counseling. And what I found first, and it's usually how people approach this, they'll say, well, how can, you know, I breathe automatically. How can focusing on my breath, how can that possibly help me? And my answer to that is first to try it. And then what they notice is as they start to slow their breath and smooth their breath out, and they start to practice that when they're not in situations where they're having to make decisions, and then they apply it when they're confronted with, okay, am I going to go to my drugs or am I going to stay clean? It gives them that moment to make a healthy choice. It allows them to self-regulate their nervous system to get to a place where they have possibility of making a healthy choice. So how that relates to releasing trauma is that we're actually, through our breath, shifting not only what's happening in our brain, but we're self-directing that major uh, regulator of the nervous system, which is the vagus nerve. And just with the awareness of our breath, that helps the vagus nerve to relax and allows us to be able to get into a higher executive functioning part of our brain where we're not in the patterns and conditions and habits of our addictions, and we're not in a place where we're taking on the outer environment of stress. So this practice not only helps resolve trauma, Within a moment, it doesn't have to be a practice that you do for 15 minutes every day. In a moment, I have seen clients mitigate stress and trauma simply by choosing where they're going to direct their awareness.
0: It's amazing because what you're saying basically is it's great to have a meditation practice, but what that practice teaches you to do is pause in any moment where you might be triggered, whether it be from a, you know, a situation as a child or PTSD from being in the military or it could be an illness. It gives you that ability and that teaching to be able to say, okay, I can react differently. I can choose to react differently. Exactly. What you talk about the vagus nerve. Can you tell us what... Is that and what's the connection between meditation and the vagus nerve? Sure. So what's unique about the vagus nerve,
1: it's our tenth cranial nerve. So it's a nerve that actually is comes from our cranium kind of right right behind our ears. Actually, it is. Yep. Yep. And it goes all the way down our spine, and it actually has branches that reach out and touch every single one of our organs. That is how powerful this one nerve is that travels through the whole body. What's unique about it is. 80% of the feedback information through that nerve comes from body to brain. 20% comes from our brain to our body. Now, what that means in simple terms is when we come into our body through our breath and start to calm our body, the vagus nerve, which regulates our autonomic nervous system, starts to send a response to our brain that we're safe that we're okay, you do not need to freeze, and you do not need to engage the part of your brain that's the fight or flight response. And from that feedback through the body to the brain, it begets a loop of information going where a new imprint can happen. So in that moment of stress, you choose to self-regulate the breath. That breath then stimulates this nerve to let your brain and body know that you are safe.
0: And how important is the teaching and the practice to your actual results and being able to impact the vagus nerve?
1: Well, the, the thing that's amazing, Patricia, is that this, the practices are so simple. So my biggest challenge often is to say to my clients now, try this. Those clients who have, had, who have Parkinson's disease Try this before you're going to bed when your tremors are really getting strong and you're trying to fall asleep, which is where my clients say they have the most trouble. Start just slowing and smoothing your breath and adding on maybe an affirmation to that. And what they're noticing is the tremors slow down. Their body starts to relax. The same thing with a veteran who may be in laying in bed trying to go to sleep and has thoughts of old trauma pictures coming through their brain, the simplest thing I'll say to them is just let your awareness rest on your breath. Slow your breath and smooth your breath out. What happens then is those pictures, those thoughts don't have as much power. We're starting to unravel that story and bring our body and our nervous system into the present moment as opposed to engaging with a trauma pattern that is being uplifted into the present moment from a past memory.
0: What's your opinion about how long it takes to sort of disarm a trauma reaction? Right, that's a great question, and it
1: it varies. So I have clients that have uh, traumatic brain injuries, and so some people, if it's you know very, very... Uh, The brain has been damaged uh, from trauma. It may take a little bit longer in order for us to be able to get into focusing the awareness. However, the body wants to be in a place of homeostasis. So the body wants that. So it really can take one or two rounds of breath at all. I've had people do 30-second breathing breaks where they just take 30 seconds to breathe. So maybe that's three rounds of breath. And in that moment, they have shifted because they've laid down a new neural groove. So one of the things I'll have my clients, especially those who have uh, traumatic brain injuries, or a lot of childhood trauma, that when they breathe and regulate their breath, stimulating that vagus nerve, they're saying in their mind, when I breathe slow and smooth, I'm creating a new neural groove. So they realize they're actually taking their power back by realizing that by breathing slow and smooth, I am creating a new neural groove. And they realize whether they have trauma from the past or an injury in the present or a disease like Parkinson's or fibromyalgia, this really helps as well to mitigate chronic pain, that in just a couple of breaths and focusing on that awareness of the breath that they're actually shifting their nervous system and creating the opportunity to imprint a new neural groove.
0: Wow, it sounds like you have so many different things in your toolbox for helping people. And you've helped, you help with physical pain. Do you deal a lot with depression? And,
1: well, you know, it's all, it's a, a team of people I usually put around my clients. So I'm not a therapist, a psychotherapist. Um, but how I look at depression, anxiety, all of these type of uh, human conditioning that we have as we go back to the present moment, come back to allowing the person to, first of all, become aware of their depression, the times that their you know, depression is setting in, accepting that depression, and then dropping in a couple of tools to allow it to move through you. So we're not saying, I'm a depressed person. We turn that into a statement of, I'm feeling a bit depressed in this moment. And then they have the freedom to shift that.
0: Shanti, you you were so talented at teaching yourself meditation to self soothe as a child. I'm curious how you use it as a parent, um, and if you have taught your daughters how to integrate meditation into their lives, and and what's that been like for you?
1: Well, that's a great question. Thanks. Uh, so. You know, I have, as a, as a parent of uh, two now teenagers, I get an opportunity to breathe through a lot. <laughs> and uh, over the years, I have uh, shared with my daughters the power of the breath. I didn't call it meditation because, uh, you know, just the, that word can be scary. But I did help them realize when they were upset what was happening with their breath and when they were happy where was the breath. And how they could focus on their breath and that slow and smooth breathing in order to shift their mood or their experience or stress in the moment. So I did share it with them. Um, My youngest daughter went through a, a big struggle with an eating disorder and was actually in the hospital for some time. And I found myself going back to this practice of the breath and calming myself as I was driving down to visit her in the hospital every day and to work with her team And the more that I just breathed, all I needed to do, I I didn't have time to sit and climb a mountain and meditate on top of a mountain. I didn't have time to sit on my cushion. My daughter was in the hospital, driving the 25 minutes to the hospital, focused on my breath, the rhythm of my breath, the smoothness of my breath. And that helped me walk into a stressful situation and stay in my center. So no matter how angry my daughter got in therapy, or how uh, how stressful uh, family therapy was at the time. I was able to come back to this tool that I taught myself at a very young age, and then saw my daughter as I kept my center with my breath, without even telling her how to do it. She started breathing through things and taking a breath instead of reacting. There was that pause. So it's contagious. Just takes one of us to start breathing and centering ourselves, and then those around us start regulating and seeing that
0: benefit and start doing that as well. You could have been anxious, and you could have brought that energy into her hospital room, which is obviously not something you wanted to do as someone that loves your daughter right. as and much as you do. it helped me feel safe.
1: Really, what the breath does when we breathe and start to stimulate our vagus nerve and create a calm within our body, the mind starts to feel safe, too. So I was actually helping myself feel safe going into a situation that may not be safe in some ways to me, the unknown. We all have unknowns. Life happens. You know, I'll tell my clients that we have our breath with us whenever we leave the house. We can do this anywhere. And it helps us stay in that eye of the tornado, not to get sucked into the tornado of life, to respond and engage with life rather than react and resist life.
0: So, part of your toolbox is just filled with meditation training and counseling training and yoga therapy, and you probably Different keep trans- at neuro sculpting, yep. and yep. and you've created this great amalgamation of modalities to really help help people so much. Um, do you want to? Give us a sample of a
1: sure. short meditation. Sure. That would be great because, like I said, these, are, these practices are so simple. That even though I have a toolbox of embodied practices and yoga therapy practices, I'm going to share with you the one that's the most simple. That's my go-to. So the more complex someone's pain, emotional, physical, uh, the simpler the practices are. Okay? So our listeners can try it right now. With us. So, the first thing we want to do is just allow your awareness to rest on your breath. Not trying to make it any way, just allow yourself to observe your breath in the moment. Awareness, heightening that awareness around the breath without trying to shift it or change it in any way. Accept it and allow for the breath observing as the breath flows in and as the breath flows out. Now choosing to connect a bit deeper with your breath, invite in the sensations that you're noticing through your breath. So perhaps as the breath comes in through your nose or your mouth, your natural breath, maybe you notice how it feels coming into the body. Maybe you notice how it sounds. Connect a little deeper with the breath by noticing the sensations of your natural breath. What does it taste like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And then continuing with that awareness of sensation, awareness of the breath, simply begin to make your breath slow and smooth. Awareness of this slow, smooth breath and the sensations. acceptance maybe if it's not so smooth accepting that and find how can i smooth these areas of my breath and then an allowing an allowing of an experience and then the final piece is we're going to deepen that breath by adding an embodied movement so with your less dominant hand you're just going to place your palm up bending that elbow with the less dominant hand inhale as you bend the elbow to bring the palm up exhale turn the palm down and press down inhaling bend the elbow turning the palm up bringing the palm to the shoulder nice slow smooth inhale exhaling turning the palm down Pressing the palm back down on the exhale. Inhale, turning the palm up. Exhale, turning the palm down. Slow and smooth. And then add in your affirmation, inhaling, I calm my body and mind. Exhaling, palm down, I relax my body inhaling bringing the palm up i calm my body and my mind exhaling turning the palm down pressing down i relax my body one more time inhale palm up exhale press the palm down and then we always end with just allowing our natural breath again just notice how you have self-directed your nervous system. Maybe you notice the breath is naturally a bit deeper. Maybe you notice the inner environment in your body is a bit more calm. Maybe your thoughts have slowed down. That's all it takes, that awareness, acceptance, and allowing of the natural, smooth, and slow breath with your affirmation and simple movement and you've shifted your imprint.
0: Thank you so much. What I love about your quality and, it, and you're so you're gifted. You're you have this great combination of wisdom and compassion and science and neuroscience all coupled together and I just I think what you're bringing out to the world is just amazing and wonderful and super accessible which is so important you know as we try to at Guyam demystify meditation and many of these contemplative practices for people so that they can become more accessible to them because we all need to have some of these practices in our lives so I really applaud you for the work that you're doing Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Shanti and thank you all for listening. If you want to learn more about the body current modality, go to energizeshanti.com. We look forward to sharing more inspiring stories on our next episode. Once again, if you have feedback or suggestions for guests, email us at untangle at Gaim.com. And don't forget to check out Meditation Studio by Gayam in the App Store. See you next time.